So Luke is the author of this, right? We are breaking into chapter two already. Chapter one was already pretty action-packed, right? With the affirmation of the resurrection, he gave those proofs. And then the ascension, Jesus flies. He goes up into the sky, clothed in clouds of glory. And so then they're told to wait, all right? And if you look at verse four, there's a promise. There was a promise given by God. And he says to wait. And I don't know about you, but I love, I love, 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 because tonight we're going to see God keep his promise. One of the most disappointing things in life is when promises are broken, right? You can rest assured one of the greatest attributes of God is he is a promise keeper. He's faithful. We're going to see it in chapter two. We're going to take at least a month in this chapter, at least, okay? But at least a month. Um, At the most, depending how we navigate through Peter's sermon, it could be longer than that. But if you want to break up chapter two or section it just for our thought, because we're not going to go through the whole, um, Trev only read up to verse 13 tonight. Uh, The first section you'll see is the promise of Christ delivered, right? And we all know that to be the Holy Spirit, right? So the first section, we're going to see the coming of the Holy Spirit tonight. And I love that Sovereign pointed it out that he came to bring this to the nations. And so we're going to see that this gospel is for the nations tonight. But that's what we're going to focus on tonight. But that first section we see in verse 1 to 13 is Christ's promise. The second section that we'll see, um, Peter's, Peter's sermon, that's the preaching, the preaching of Christ. So we're seeing the promise of Christ and the preaching of Christ. And in that last section, that last little chunk, we're going to see the people's response to Christ. So if that kind of breaks it up a little bit clearly for you, or you can say the promise at Pentecost, the preaching at Pentecost, and then the evangelistic response from the people at Pentecost. But those are the th- that's how we're going to go through this chapter. Okay, we're going to see the promise and the preaching and then the people's response. Okay, now... As we get into this, we cannot, and I think we'll probably keep coming back to this verse as we go through this whole book, unless the Lord comes and returns sooner than later. But Acts 1.8 is so, 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 so big and foundational for this whole book. And you will receive power. And you will be whose witness? My witness. His witness. Jesus' witness. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they're at right now in our episode. Judea a little bit more out, Samaria, a little bit more out. And then like Sovereign said tonight, to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. And what we're going to see tonight in tonight's text is the beginning of that. It's epic. The beginning of Acts 1-8 just coming. The beginning of the church being born. And, um, and so, and then we'll see there's usually two reactions, curiosity or mockery. So let's Let's go through this step by step, verse by verse. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived. Now remember Luke is a what? By profession. He's on doctor. So he's very attentive to detail. And he's your first church historian. And so these things don't just breeze by them. You know, Pentecost, one of the three major pilgrimage um, Pilgrimage festivals that Jewish Jews celebrate. There's seven of them, but this is one of the three major ones that they have to actually travel. Deuteronomy 16 says this. 
about they have to travel three, um, three times. And this is one of the major ones. But all these things, all these festivals, these big celebratory things, they're memories, they're commemorations. And they're very, if you do your own personal study on these feasts, like Paul says in Colossians 2, it all points back to Christ. They're all shadows. And Christ is the fulfillment of them. So when Luke says, okay, it's Pentecost, there's purpose for that. Just like when there was Passover, when Jesus, the true Passover lamb, died, there's significance in all these little things, right? The timing of it all is so epic. It's crazy. The true Passover lamb, Jesus, crucified, died. And then 50 days later, we're seeing here at Pentecost, the first fruits, the harvest, you know, Pen, uh, Passover was uh, reminding them of back in Exodus, their people, when they were set free, right? And they had that, they put the, the blood of the lamb, and it passed over, it atoned, and it, it had them live. Pictures and shadows. Jesus delivered us, set us free when he died on the cross and rose from the grave, being our bread of life. And so these Jewish festivals that we read of, you got to do a little bit more homework to understand the culture, but it's all pictures and shadows pointing to Christ. He is about Passover. He is about um, the bread, the unleavened bread. He is about the, the, the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost. He is about the next festival. So just, just to point out really quick, I don't want to spend too much time talking about each one of these festivals, but... As we go through this historic narrative, it's important we have to get a little bit understanding of the history, all right? He's, and so when it says the day of Pentecost came, this is all planned by God. The gospel is God's plan, and it's perfect to the T. We're seeing prophecy from the Old Testament fulfilled right now as we're reading this, all right? And so God promised it, and he's keeping the promise, so that's Pentecost. Um, so imagine there, all these Jews from around the, the nations, they're, they're pilgriming. They're, they're coming back to Jerusalem to, to worship at the temple. And so you've got to imagine the vibe of the city already. It's a packed house. It's a packed city. And just keep in mind, 50 days ago, there was this crucifixion. There's this resurrection. And then there was this ascension. And so you can already just try to imagine that these are the current events of the city and the town. The vibe in the air is very holy. It's very just like, whoa. All right? And it's just about now to get even more holy. Holy Spirit kind holy. So let's keep going. When the day of Pentecost arrived... Try to set the mood. Feel that. They were all together in one place. So they're still all together. They're waiting. Verse 2. Look at these things. And suddenly. Suddenly. The promises of God may not come at the time you had hoped it to come. Or the way that you had hoped it to come. But. When God promises something, it comes. And this time, he promised the Spirit, and boom, suddenly came from heaven. I love these. The sound like a mighty rushing wind. Rushing wind. You do the word studies on those, that's breath or wind. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit like the wind. John chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. I'll read it to you. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. 
I'm praying that in my heart right now. Come like a mighty rushing wind right now, Holy Spirit, because he's still active tonight. The work of Christ is still moving now. And on that Pentecost, it came, he came like a mighty rushing wind. And, and he says, Jesus says to Nicodemus, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the, here we go, spirit. Old Testament passage, Ezekiel 37, 9 to 10, he says, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. This is Ezekiel 37. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. This wind, the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see that in this chapter. We won't get there tonight, but we're going to see dead people come to life. It's interesting that in both these texts, in John 3, Ezekiel 37, born again, dead coming to life. This spirit work, the work of the Holy Spirit, is to cause dead people to live. And this wind in our episode tonight is coming like a mighty rushing wind. Luke is very keen to note these things. Let's read a little bit more. In verse 3, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So you see the imagery? See what Luke's trying to help the reader, Theophilus, and us really see? The Holy Spirit, the promise that you waited, he's coming, he's coming, and he came. And he came like a mighty rushing wind. And in tongues of fire, the presence of God is obvious. It's happening. And the Holy Spirit filled them and they began in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's read one more verse and then we'll pause. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. We're going to pause and look at this chunk. And the main thing I want you to see is the work of the Holy Spirit is to get the gospel to the nations. I'm going to say that one more time and I'm going to show you. The work of the Holy Spirit the promise came. The Holy Spirit came. And he's working right now. And he's still working right now. And this work is to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations. Remember Acts 1.8? Witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, what Sovereign said, ends of the earth. Now look at this. Because I don't think Luke wanted Theophilus to read this and just get distracted by the oohs and ahs and the tongues and the fire. He wants him to see this is why this is happening. Look at this. Divided tongues, so different, not just one, many dialects. You do the word study. It's a known language. These are different languages. Now, this makes sense because there were devout men from all the nations there. This isn't just some random gibberish or some ecstatic utterance that just had no purpose. There's a massive pouring out right now of the power of the Holy Spirit, and there's purpose for this pouring out. There's a plan. Get this message to the nations. First, they're going to be taught, they're going, oh my gosh, we, we get what they're saying. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to that in a little bit, but they're going to say, they're speaking to us the mighty works of God. Meaning, when they heard all these tongues going on in the house, they were 
they, they, they got it. There was, there was, they were saying intelligible words that they knew only my countrymen could know that. So how, how do they get that? But divided tongues. So when we're looking at those words, we're observing that. These are different languages coming down. That's crazy. And this was how? By the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit filled them and they began to speak. Now, I just want to clarify this really quick. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Paul talks about that. In Romans 6, that's what Bree's going to dramatize in her baptism on Sunday. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Colossians 2. All the, true, all the believers, all the Christians, you were baptized with the Spirit at your salvation when you were regenerated. And that happens once for us. And then from that point on, there now becomes a filling of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see that Luke talks a lot about being filled with the Spirit through Acts. And he was filled with the Spirit, chapter 4, and he began to speak the Word of God. They were filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak it boldly. In this particular episode tonight, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in different languages. Why I want to clarify that is because that's one of the effects or the one of the marks of when you're filled with the Spirit. You speak the Word of God with boldness. I hope I'm filled with the Spirit right now. Every preacher ought to pray for that. I hope, I hope you, and, you and I, I hope Bree, you know, she's going to get baptized, and that's a symbol of when she was baptized in the Spirit and born again into the family. But she's going to pray, and I hope and pray again and again and again that she is so filled with the Spirit of God that she slays her sin. That she's so filled with the Spirit of God that she obeys Scripture. She loves her neighbor. She preaches this gospel to her friends, her coworkers. And so I just want to point those two things out because I don't want you to get confused um, with the terminology. And I know that in some circles, uh, they'll teach that in order for you to know that you're filled with the Spirit, you have um, you, an assurance of your salvation is that you speak tongues. You know, like if you don't speak tongues, then you don't have the spirit. Or if you don't, you know, if you're not, if you didn't do this. And so I just want to clarify that because this filling of the Holy Spirit in this episode tonight, yes, they spoke in tongues. And there's only three times recorded in Acts that something like this happens. But the rest of the other fillings of the Holy Spirit is they're preaching the word of God with boldness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's at work to do what? Get the message out there. Go. The Great Commission. Tell them. Tell them about Christ. If there's, if there's been a stirring in your soul recently to just tell someone about Christ, to, to, to preach it to your own soul, and, and, and you're starting to wonder, I know I'm talking to some of you, and you're wondering what's going to happen after my mom dies or after my friend, whatever, and you're getting concerned. I think the Spirit's at work in you. And you need to pray for a filling a filling of an empowering of the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized by the Spirit. You're a regenerated child of God. Now you need the filling of the Spirit to go and speak. But in this case tonight, this is what's happening. The, the this Holy Spirit is deciding to manifest himself like this, to give them tongues. And rightfully so, it makes sense. Why? It's Pentecost. Everyone's in town. And oh, reps from the, all the nations are there. I wondered, I wondered when I thought about this, you know, when Jesus was back in Acts 1 verse 8, and he's like, you guys are going to go be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Jeremiah, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I wonder if there was one of the disciples in the 120 that was like, how are you going to do that? 
I don't, I don't speak Egyptian, you know, like, or I wonder, I never even asked my mom if I can leave Jerusalem. Like, you know, like, I'm wondering if they're thinking like that. Like, he just told them, you're going to take this message to the nations. And I wonder if they're like, okay, you know, <laughs> we just went, brought us from Galilee, you know, these are rural guys, they're from the country, <laughs> country Galileans, and they're just like, and then it's like, man, God's got that. That's why you need to wait. And I wonder when this happened and the Spirit came upon them. I wonder if there was someone in the 120 like, oh, bro, I didn't expect it to be like that. You know, like just thinking like, whoa. And I wonder if the dots are, st- the, the, the pieces are coming together, you know, like. But anyway, the work of the Spirit, it's getting this gospel to the nations, guys. And, and, and I want to point this out. Remember in chapter one, they weren't thinking like that. What nation were they so consumed about? Hey, Jesus, so um, when is Israel going to get restored? You know, the kind. And Jesus is like, this is so much bigger than your little one nation. Precious nation, I chose you. But this is so much bigger, bigger than that. And I always run back to this, and I'm, I'm thankful that Riley's in the house tonight. But when we stood up in the upper room and we were looking at the wall of all the missionaries that we pray over, and he was just like, what is this? What is that? We taught Great Commission, and he just was like, whoa, this is big. And it's like, no, this is big, big, bigger than, bigger than we realize. And I wonder, I wonder who here maybe even tonight spirit of god come upon you in power and send you i wonder if there are some here that you don't belong in this country god's going to send you to the ends of the earth so i'm so excited for the end of october when the missionaries come to share remember a couple weeks ago I, i talked about the missionaries who planted our church they were on their way to asia they got stuck here in Hawaii and let's start a church but you know what beats in all these men and women's heart is this gospel's got to get out and it's got to go it's got to go around the globe this is so much bigger than just any one little tribe or country the more I think about that I just get I'm so humbled that I'm a part of this Do you realize what you're part of, child of God? And if you're a Christian, do you realize that you have a duty? You're on a mission if you've forgotten or if you've never heard before. And I hope this duty is also a great desire. Something I've been praying for my own life in our church as we're studying through this book. And even in Genesis on Sundays with Pastor Bob is that we realize the I love that we sang, how great is our God tonight. Oh, man, I was praying that so hard as we sang, and I was like, repenting, God, I don't realize how great you are. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, all authority in heaven has been given to me, Jesus says, so go, therefore make disciples of how many? All nations, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded you. And then Jesus says, and I'll be with you. I've been feeling distant from the Lord recently. Distant from experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
Well, you know where he is? He's on the mission. This gospel is for the nations, guys. It's not just for us and for me and for you and to better our little lives here in our little sphere, little world, wherever we live. Philippians 2, 8 to 11 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, in every, hear it, tongue. Every tongue, every language. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you and I, this mission, it's global. It's big. The gift of the tongues on that day of Pentecost, one of the most main powerful points, the purpose of that, was that God so loved the world. It's one of the main points of Pentecost. This is for the world, not just Israel, the world. And I'm so thankful, God, that we're part of this. The gift of the tongues was given powerfully, purposefully, and particularly out on that Pentecost to get this message to all the nations. God so loved the world. I pray that that heart stirs up inside of us as well. Do you realize that when you bend your knee and when you sing these songs at church, you're singing to not no small deity God of some one little tribal country, as if that's a God, lowercase g, you don't worship some small little pagan tribal God. I worship God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that every knee, every, every people group in the planet is going to worship and see. That's who we approach when we worship. This is so big. This is, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I've been asking the Lord to really make that a reality for us, church members. This is why membership is such a big deal to us here at Nu'uanu. We want our members to realize that we are just one little outpost of heaven, but this is that big. We're the, we're the citizens of heaven. We worship the king of the universe. And we have this message that he's given us, that we sung, that we prayed that Jesus Christ came, lived the life we could never live, died the death that you and I deserve, gave us himself as our righteousness. So when you die and your life expires and you breathe your last, all you have is Christ. All you have is Christ. That's good news. It's got to get to the nations. It's one of the reasons why I'm really thankful to be a part of our convention, the Southern Baptist Convention, because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a corporate of churches. It's a cooperative program that is about getting this message to the nations. Have you forgotten? Let's keep going. Verse 6. 
And at this sound, the multitude came together. So there's that rushing wind. And you know, it's like at high school, and there's like a ruckus and everybody starts to congregate. That's what's happening in Jerusalem. Like, oh, what's that? Cause what you looking at? You know, earlier when we walked into the sanctuary, there's this little huddle around Riley, Sasha, them over there. And then the huddle got bigger and bigger and bigger. I walked in, I was like, what is everyone looking at? And I just walk over, oh my gosh, you know, like <laughs> see the ring on her finger. Ah, you know, like, it is, so that's what's happening, all right? There's this, there's this sound and this multitude that's gathering together. And look, it says, they were, I like these words, bewildered. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished. Rightfully so, I'd be tripping out. Saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Verse 8, how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? We're going to read a little bit more. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, um, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, visitors of Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabians. So that's all, all, everyone that was present right there, all the different nations. And then they said, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. I want to point out some things. Okay, obviously, yes, they're tripping. I would be tripping, right? Can you imagine if just like Pastor Bob just was preaching and then all of a sudden he started just preaching in Palauan, just spot on, just boom. And then just like, or I don't know, you know, like just, Imagine even if right, like right now I just started speaking in perfect Mandarin to the T. Local boy like me, just boom. And then German or something. It would be, you know, it'd be kind of, whew, you know, bewildered. It means to be confused, to lose your bearing. That's what the word means. They lost their bearings. They're like, holy what? You know, that will, that's what was happening. Now, look at though. This is, this is why they were wigging out. They were hearing. Now, I want to point that word out. A cool because when it says they hear, they were hearing, they were hear, we were hearing what they're telling us. I want to point this out, that they, this is the word, they understood, they perceived, they had clear comprehension of the words coming out of their mouths. They were astonished that these guys were speaking their language in perfect dialect. And they're like, these are country brothers from Galilee. What? The work of the Holy Spirit is, yes, get this gospel to the nations, but hear this. The work of the Holy Spirit is to clearly proclaim the mighty works of God. We're going to see next week from verse 14 to 36, clearly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're tripping, but they were like, we're hearing this. Now, if and when we witness, I just been asking myself, am I clearly articulating what I'm talking about? <laughs> Is the person understanding the words that's coming out of my mouth? And in this particular episode, it just so happens that it's in their native tongue. But I just want to point that out. These are intelligible tongues that they're speaking right now. And they're just like in awe that these country boys are the ones doing it. These guys weren't educated, sophisticated. And I love that they asked in 2.8, how can? And we know the answer in 1.8. The answer to 2.8 is in 1.8, how? That's right, I heard it. 
How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, they said, how is this happening? We know from verse 1-8, the Holy Spirit, and I just want to point this out, don't marvel at these Galileans. I think that's what Luke wanted Theophilus to see in this. Don't marvel at the Galileans. Marvel at God. God's at work. Don't marvel at these messengers, these mere men. I don't think Luke is writing this in order for them to marvel at the messengers and the gift of the tongue and to pedestal them like maybe they were doing in Corinth. And so Paul needs to write a whole letter and chapter about this. Stop making all tantaran about the messengers and the gifts as if that's what we're trying to worship. No. The work of the Holy Spirit is getting the message, the mighty works of God, the gospel, clearly proclaimed so that all eyes can see him and him only and be in awe and worship God. That's what's happening. Don't marvel at these Galileans. God is using ordinary men for his glory. I think if this was earlier in their walk, I think the boys might have been tempted to feel pretty nuts after the speaking of tongues. In Luke 10, verse 20, earlier, when Jesus sends them out, they, they experienced some supernatural stuff, and then they came back. They're all like, oh, my gosh. And then Jesus says to them, Luke 10, 20, never, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But this is what you rejoice in. Your name is written in heaven. And I think they've grown and matured a little bit since then. They realize that this is all Jesus. This is all the work of God. This is all Holy Spirit. That's why as we continue to read through this book, there's going to be times when crowds and people are tempted to worship them and give them attention. They're going to render garments. This is not me. This is Jesus. Don't marvel at people. We are in such a big sin in our, in our part of the world with this. We make up Christian celebrities and we worship them as if they're something. When they're nothing, we're all nothing. We're just men. We're vessels. Don't pedestal a person or a gift. This is God. So give them glory. The work of the Spirit is getting this message to the nations, clearly proclaiming. And, you know, in this, uh, I think when, you, when I studied this, traditionally around these times uh, in these festivals, they would either read certain scriptures that proclaim and lift up the works of God or the attributes of God. And so, I don't know, maybe perhaps the, in their different tongues, they're just hearing worship and praise to God. Maybe certain verses were being read. But any, in any case, they're freaking out that this is actually happening, but they're hearing clearly the mighty works of God. And then next week when we get into the sermon, Peter's going to bring it all together. And he goes deeper to elaborate and articulate and expound that this all has to do with Jesus. And that's going to be his first sermon, this Christ-centered, action-packed sermon. Are you following? Let's just finish up the text for tonight. All were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, I love this question. What does this mean? Like, what is going on? 
Verse 13. But others mocking said, nah, they got to be filled with new wine. <laughs> Daddy's bottles are hung over, guaranteed. You know, like that's probably what, that's what they're saying. There's usually two gut reactions when you first hear the mighty works of God, especially when you first really hear the gospel. You're either filled with curiosity or mockery. They were wondering, astonished. They were perplexed. But then I love this. Some were stirred with curiosity. And Peter's going to give the answer to that next week in his sermon. And what does this mean? And he's like, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because, boom, he's going to spit it. But something I want to just note on tonight and ask for us to pray for, because I love this here, that we would be filled and stirred with a renewed hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we're all born in, in sin with the natural mind. And so when you hear of the things of God, when you hear that you're a sinner, I mean, your, your natural reaction is to mock. I mean, I was talking to one neighbor recently. I was talking to him, and we've been good friends for some time. And I just, right when we started to talk about spiritual things, it wasn't even explicitly Christ yet. It was just spiritual stuff like sin and badness. And so it's, it's like he wouldn't look me in the eye anymore. Just was like, and then when I got closer to Jesus, he almost had his back fully against me like this. And then once we finished the, that part of the conversation, oh yeah, so he like surf next week. It's like, whoa, it's interesting. I was talking to another neighbor in our vicinity here and we enjoyed talking about spiritual stuff. We were in some good spiritual dialogue and what, what she believed and what I believed. And then when we got to the part about Christ, I was like, hey, would, you, would you ever be interested to want to know more like about faith? Nope. It's like, Whoa. Okay. okay. You know? <laughs> and it's, but, but we all, by nature, we're, are like this and we're like that. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have this mockery towards God. Have you had moments where you've read the Bible or you heard of the things of God or you heard this or that and about Christ and in your gut, in your spirit, maybe that's some tonight, maybe some of you are a little bit hardened in your heart tonight of this message and of this God and there's a temptation to mock, to jeer at, to laugh. Maybe you have an attitude. He's not really going to return. He's not really going to judge. I don't know. If that spirit is present and it creeps up, oh, I pray for the fear of the Lord for your heart and repent. I like this question. And I like that, you know, in, in other stories in this book, we're going to see like the Ethiopian eunuch, he's reading through the book of Isaiah. And he's like, oh, what does this mean? And then Philip's like, sticks his head in. Down. Oh, he comes inside, gets to the chariot. Okay, so anyway, and he breaks it down to him. But there was this hunger in that Ethiopian. There was this curiosity, like, what does this mean? That's humility. I love that. Never lose your humility. Never lose your hunger to learn. We're going to see later in Acts 17, 
The Bereans were commended for this. They were eager to hear the word and they examined scripture to see if this was really true. There's this desire to want to know. Never, ever, 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 ever lose that. Be a question maniac. And I'm, I, sometimes I'm humbled. I mean, you guys text me some questions. I'm, pff, I don't know. That's Pastor Johnny. You know, like, I'm just, I'm, I kind of love this plurality of pastor stuff, man. It's just like, I don't know. But it's like, we'll figure it out together. And, and, and what, what I think one of, the, work, one of the, the amazing things that the Holy Spirit is present to do for us is to guide us into all truth, to teach us. As we see this episode continue to flesh itself out, they say, what does this mean that sets Peter up to preach this sermon? The overview of chapter 2 is beautiful. Spirit of God coming. Truth through the preaching of the word. And then boom, explosive, authentic evangelism happens. And the Lord adds to the church the number of those being saved day by day. The Lord builds the church. That's what we're going to see. And I'm not quite sure right now, tonight, where your heart is. Maybe, maybe you're, not, you're, you're, not even, you're not even concerned about the nations here in Christ. You're not even concerned about evangelism or anything like that. Maybe you, you're just still so caught up with you and your life and, and, and your little whatever. And you're, you have sins that you're just so engrossed in that these things are just beyond you. And I want to urge and call you out and say, repent. This life is not what it's all cracked up to be. Think deeper, farther, eternal. Ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon you in such a way and maybe, boom, regenerate. Ask for a, a first baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just won't believe you, God. I want to believe this message. Maybe some of you, I, I was talking to some of you actually. You, you said, you, I do have this faith in Christ, but it just... I mean, I, like, like, I just don't get it, though. <laughs> and that's so cool to say. I love that. That's so cool to say. Don't be embarrassed. Let your pride go out the window. If this has to do with your soul and salvation and eternity, you want to get this. You want to understand. You want to comprehend clearly this message that the Holy Spirit came to send. I don't care if you've been in church your whole life. I mean, it doesn't even matter if you're in ministry and you're serving or you're a small group leader. No, if there's things in your soul that are unsettled and you're just like, I don't even know what this means really. Tonight is the night. Come like a rushing wind, Holy Spirit. Breathe on me. Open my eyes. Let me see. And maybe some of us were just so dormant. You're a child of God. Did you not, do you not realize who you are, child of God, and what you have in the Holy Spirit? Have you forgotten? Jesus said, just ask. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Stop making excuses of why you don't share, why you don't go, why you don't do this. Get on your knees and say, Spirit of God, fill me. Fill me this evening. And I'm praying for us when, you, when we go through our days before you walk out the door, Holy Spirit, fill me. Before you, before you get out of your car and before you clock in, before you paddle out, before you do whatever, 
Holy Spirit, fill me. Have you been baptized with the Spirit? Have you been born again? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Is he your righteousness or are you trying to get to heaven another way? Be filled with the Holy Spirit, child of God. And New Uanu church members, we need to pray for the nations. I used to fiddle on this app um, a while back. I'm off and on, but it's um, Joshua Project, I think, uh, or Be Heard. It's just an app that helps me be aware of the unreached people groups around the globe. We need to, we need to remember how big this is, how big he is. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can that happen. We'll close tonight's episode right there. We'll stop at verse 13. We'll pray. Take a breath. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Fill this place. Come and show us our wrong. As we'll see next week in the sermon, cut us to the quick. Pray that there would be real repentance in our church. Our faith wouldn't be something we just say or slap on like a sticker. There'd be true repentance and turning from sin and placing our trust in Jesus Christ and a real experience of God, a real indwelling and filling of the Spirit. So much so that the things that we think and say and do in this life become supernatural. Slaying our sin. Speaking the word of God. Breathe on us, we pray. This is real. You're real. The book of Acts is rightly named Acts because it's the mighty acts of God through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles in the church. And I pray tonight, us. Lord, I pray for our fellowship time afterward. I pray for just conversations that happen, Lord. Would there be, if there's a, a, a hunger right now that's brewing in the room, what does this mean? Stir it up, we pray. And guide us. Open our eyes. Open our eyes to behold the wondrous things out of your law. Thank you for this place. Thank you for our church. And we pray that you would continue to make us worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.